Hello and welcome to the Clockwork Aranya podcast, a podcast all about the Dutch national team. I'm your host, Finley Krabolder, and joining me today to discuss the 2010 World Cup to tell the story of that glorious World Cup is Peter McVitie. Peter, how's it going? Excited to relive the uh, the agony and the ecstasy of that, that summer in South Africa? Uh, I don't know if I'm excited, but I feel like uh, it may be a, another uh, therapeutic venture for the both of us, to be fair. I think uh, you're becoming my intermittent uh, therapist with uh, some of these uh, podcasts, the trauma that we've had to relive and uh, sort of deal with. So, uh, yeah, yep. uh, I think this will be a very constructive podcast for my uh, my own sanity and mental health to be honest with you because uh, this one is uh, this campaign is one that's got sort of haunted us both probably for, <laughs> for the last 12 years yeah very much buried trauma um don't go anywhere near youtube videos of how it ended but uh we'll get to that point um yeah i mean the last one we did was euro 2012 which was uh good fun so we're just getting uh I, at least there's some high points to talk about with this one yes before the lows um so yeah we're just gonna straight into it we're gonna tell the story of the world cup chronologically um before we get into it though let's just kind of take a look at the state of the team uh heading into that tournament um in terms of the squad you had yeah, it wasn't that different to the euro 2012 squad really maybe players a few years um well i don't know actually i mean wesley schneider was obviously at his peak after a treble winning season with Inter Milan. Uh, Ian Robin had made it to that Champions League final as well. He was doing pretty well first year at Bayern Munich. Van Persie had had injury problems, but again, wasn't far from his peak, I don't think. Dirk Kau, Klaas-Jan Huntelaar, uh, Mark Van Bommel, Nigel De Jong, all at a good age. Um, yeah, in terms of the squad, it was a pretty strong one, I think, wasn't it? In terms of, apart from the back four, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, even the back four wasn't terrible. You had like the basis of a strong midfield, which obviously turned out to be quite uh, controversial with uh, Van Bommel, De Jong, and Schneider just pulling the strings. I mean, he was magnificent for Inter. Uh, Huntelaar had yeah come through a difficult time at Real Madrid and then went to AC Milan and still couldn't really um, get going, even though I think he was massively underrated at Milan at that point. Um, and uh, but yeah, there were still some um, unusual uh, additions as well. I mean, I felt like Edson Braffade was a really strange one. Mm-hmm. Um, Demi was someone that you yeah you didn't really expect to to get much of a game, and just yeah there was a wee bit of a gulf in, in quality when it came from the the actual starters to the the backup players in that sense. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I remember kind of. Looking at the squad, thinking outside the starting eleven, there wasn't <clears throat> there weren't really that many players I'd get excited about. There was obviously Huntelaar, there was Elia, who was awesome at the time. He was one of my favourite players. I can't remember where he was back then. Oh, um, Hamburg, I think he. Uh... Oh, it was Hamburg. Yeah, yeah, it was Hamburg. I remember the year before he'd, uh, I think he scored the winner for us in a qualifying game against Scotland. I believe. Oh, uh, yes, um, that. that was. Yes, I don't, I I hated him after that. Uh, Afalai at the time he was just uh, about to join yeah. Barcelona. I think that was the last his last year at PSV. I mean, he was wonderful again, a quite controversial player in some regard. Um, uh, everyone outside the PSV kind of hated them for <laughs> for the way he, he was, but you couldn't deny that he was 
a class player back then. Um, it was just a shame of how things went for him uh, afterwards. Um, yeah, Dirk Kite was just, uh, I mean, he was just Dirk Kite, right? It's just spectacular. And then you also had uh, the legendary Van Bronckhorst there to add some, some class and some uh, experience, I guess, to it. But um, yeah, it was, yeah, there was uh, quite a lot, of, a good mix there. It wasn't, it wasn't as much of, uh, as much youth as you're kind of used to with uh, Netherlands mm. teams. Like I think Van der Veel was one of the youngest players there uh, with Elia and they were like 22, 23. Um, Babel as well um, was quite young at that time. Um, and then you had Schneider and Robin and Van der Vaart sort of reaching their sort of peak ages maybe, I guess. Uh, so yeah, it was a, a pretty strong squad, you know, with that kind of golden generation reaching their peaks. But Van Malek was at the helm, took over from Van Basten after Euro 2008 and yeah, qualifying had gone pretty perfectly, 100% record, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and yeah, since he'd taken over, you know, things hadn't really, there hadn't been a bad moment. He'd, uh, yeah, it all been pretty comfortable. Build up games to the World Cup, pretty good as well. And then uh, Iron Robin went and got injured. Yeah. Which I think uh, changed expectations a lot uh, in Holland, kind of surrounding the team, obviously. It was a pretty, I think Van Malek, he'd found a pretty settled starting 11. You had uh, Van Bommel, De Jong holding midfield too. And then you had Schneider, Kout, Robin behind Van Persie. Uh, and apart from Schneider, Robin was the big star of this team. I remember watching the match when he got injured. I think he went for some kind of like a, a flicker or a Rabona or something. And um, yeah, I, I remember after that, my expectations for the team how they do at the World Cup kind of dropped considerably. Was that the same with you? Yeah, yeah, it was like seen as a big blow. And I, yeah, I've, at the time, I wasn't really sure what to expect. I didn't quite <clears throat> think that they would make it all the way to the final, uh, even by then, because um, there were like a decent, uh, a good amount of strong teams around. And um, yeah, there still were some problems. I mean, the, the qualifying group was fairly easy for them. Yeah, uh, yeah as you said. Won every game, conceded two goals, um, and yeah, they looked okay. But my expectations weren't huge. And then yeah, when you lose uh, Aryan Robin, it's a, a massive blow. But I still had like faith in Schneider and and Van Persie. And I mean, I was I was cra- crazy. Still am crazy about uh, Hintelar. He was seems a god to me. Um, so I still had. Uh, some faith in them, um, but yeah, it was that was massive for you lose Robin because he's just a phenomenon. Yeah, thinking back, I think most people kind of because you know even before Robin was injured, after he was injured, I think most people, most pundits at least, kind of expected the Netherlands uh, to get to the quarterfinals because it would be a fairly easy route on paper. The group stage we had Cameroon, Denmark, and Japan, and then after that we were going to get second in a group that wasn't great. It was Italy, New Zealand, Slovakia, and one other team who I can't remember now, um, who finished yeah, top of that group. Paraguay. 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 That was it, Paraguay. So, you know, we'd, we'd get the second in that group for the last 16. Pretty doable. But I think everybody kind of expected the Netherlands to kind of get to the quarters and then lose to Brazil, which was yeah. what the seeding would have predicted. Um I think, yeah, that was generally the expectations heading into the tournament, wasn't it? 
Yeah, pretty much. We, we 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 took some risks with Robin in the end. Everyone, I think when he first got injured, everyone thought he was going to be ruled out of the tournament. But uh, the magic of painkilling injections, I suppose, um, something that would get the KMVB into quite a bit of trouble with Bayern Munich later down the road. But uh, yeah, we were taking him. Um, but because of our group, we didn't risk him in the first match. The first two matches, we had Van der Vaart come in, play on the left. Dirk Kaut move over to the right. Um, and yeah, there's not too much to say about those first two. Um, 2 0 win against Denmark, 1 0 win against Japan. Um, I mean, I don't know, didn't set the world alight, but also didn't make any slip ups. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, they were very quiet games. The start of the Denmark game was just uh, <laughs> dead for most of the first half. And then uh, they were a wee bit lucky with the first goal. Well, I say a wee bit, I mean, you had. Coulson heading it off of uh, Agel's back and into the net just right after the second half started. And then again, a lot of nothing really until um, until uh, Dirk Kite popped up with the, uh, yeah. the goal. So yeah, there was nothing in that. And like, same with Japan, there was like, um, I mean, again, Netherlands were a lot more lively in the second half, but it started with just the best chances they had, uh, both teams had, were just like long shots. Um and then, um, yeah, they sort of, mm, yeah, Schneider scored quite a lovely goal again from distance. Um, and then they livened up a wee bit after that. I think Affleck had two one on ones that were scuppered by the goalkeeper. But um, yeah, they didn't. They weren't exactly fluid and lovely, which was the way they played, I guess, under Van Mark. Van Marwijk, they were kind of ugly, but um, there was nothing. They weren't too imposing, weren't making really great chances, and uh, the ones that they were missing were uh, were a bit concerning. But they, yeah, it was a, an easy enough group for them to to get through. Yeah, I think for me, the first, I mean, obviously, I was excited from the first match. So exciting to see your team at a, at a World Cup. But the first kind of moment in that World Cup where I got really kind of pumped was in the final group game against Cameroon. 1-1 at the time, Van Persie had put us ahead. Uh, Cameroon, I think Eto, pretty sure he scored the penalty uh, to make it 1-0. And then we decided to bring Iron Robin off the bench, bring him into the tournament. Uh, and yeah, that's the moment where I kind of got excited about the team for the first time, because obviously he comes off the bench at 1-1, um, picks up the ball in the sort of trademark area, right side near the edge of the box. Cuts inside, curls the ball onto the post, uh, and Klaasian Hintela buries the rebound. Um, and yeah, that was probably the, the best moment of the group stage. We kind of had Iron Robin back, and he'd had such an immediate impact like that. Um, I mean, yeah, that was, a, that was a good feeling, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was yeah, it was a classic Aryan Robin moment, right? It was just, as you say, his area. He does his thing when he he comes in and uh, yeah, hits the post, and it was an easy finish. But if it had gone in, it would have just been such a such a classic um, Aryan Robin goal that uh, it, would have, it would have been just yeah, too obvious basically. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was uh, that was a lovely uh, introduction, and it was good to. Uh, good. To, uh, yeah, Van Marvijk was smart by not risking him for the first two games and um, bringing him on for that. And that was more of an exciting game. I mean, uh, the first goal, the first goal, Van Persie's goal, I thought was was class. The combination with uh, Der, uh, Van der Vaart, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Then, uh, Van der Vaart uh, flicked it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it was a lovely, lovely goal. Uh, so yeah, it was. They had some a 
lot more exciting moments, I would say, in that game than they had. Uh, looked a wee bit more threatening, a wee bit um, smarter in attack in that sense. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a it was a, a nice test as well. Obviously, having to to recover from the giving away the penalty. Yeah, yeah, I think it was the most encouraging group stage games probably because I mean, obviously, Tim Van Marwijk's tactic really was to have a back four, have two defensive midfielders, and their really their their sole duty is defensively to stop the team conceding goals. You know, they don't really do that much going forward. And then he has a talented front four, um, and he kind of hopes their ability is going to, you know, um, be enough to, to score goals. Uh, and in the first yes. two games, it wasn't, I mean, Schneider was good, obviously, but Robin wasn't on the pitch. Um, even Kaut really did a bit more defensively than going forward, you could argue. He worked really hard to kind of protect Van Bronckhorst. Um and Van Persie wasn't great. And then that last game, you got Van Persie scored a really good goal. Robin came back. And yeah, it was all a bit bit more encouraging. It, it, was, a, it was a group stage where a lot of other big teams had struggled. Um, Italy were knocked out. France were knocked out. England scraped through. Spain lost their opening game. Three sure the Netherlands and Brazil were the only teams that ended up winning every match. So... Yeah, it was going pretty well, but we, I don't think anyone's expectations had really changed, had they? I think everyone still kind of expected them to to beat smaller teams, but kind of fall when they came face-to-face with the big team. That, that wasn't a problem yet, because in the last 16, you've got uh, another pretty winnable match uh, against Slovakia. Yeah, we had the classic Robin goal. To- the classic Robin goal, yeah. It was a great pass from Schneider as well, I remember. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah right over the top uh similar to the one he played in the final actually but get on to that um but yeah right over the top of the defense robin cuts inside puts us one nil up uh and then after that it was yeah not too much else to say about the match really played some good football couldn't find the second goal until pretty late when um Cal went around the keeper squared it for schneider yeah, that um, was class. I like that a lot. Yeah. I thought that was uh, really just nice, uh, nicely done. The keeper obviously rushed out and uh, quite, yeah, been pretty unselfish. I mean, he'd been moved out, out wide um, and, uh, yeah, kept his cool to square it because they still had, like, two defenders there. And, uh, yeah, he set up Schneider quite well. But in between those two goals, they did sort of concede a few chances. They did start to look a wee bit sloppier uh, and have some have some concerns. Uh uh, not really as in control as they, they, they should have been. Um, you also had a wee bit of a controversial moment, I think it was in that game, when Van Persie was taken off uh, and he kind of lost his mind. Uh, yeah. Van Marvick, <laughs> he was, it was like 10 minutes left that he was just like kind of, he really like made it obvious that he was, uh, he was pissed off. And um, yeah, that was a kind of, that was a, one of those like, when that happens in the Netherlands team, it's exaggerated. Everyone just like, oh, oh the Dutch being the Dutch, they're all falling apart. They're all about yeah. the <laughs> that was the beginning of it. And uh, he was pretty open about it after the game as well. He was talking about how, uh, yeah, he thought he wasn't uh, happy about it and he should have been allowed to stay on. And um, he thought he could uh, add more. He hadn't scored enough and stuff. Uh, and um but he also was like, yeah, sometimes when I do these things, it annoys me as well, which is uh, unusually um, self-critical from Robin Van Persie. But that was, uh, yeah, that was uh, probably the, 
big eye-catching moment from that game, actually, instead of uh, anything that happened on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you said, whenever that happens in a Dutch team, everybody goes crazy because really of things that happened at this point at least because of things that had happened uh, quite a while ago really the 90s um i mean but yeah it's it, it, it's obviously pretty concerning but um apart from i mean the fact is he kind of like you said moved on from it pretty quickly um and i think at this point it was kind of becoming a strength of the team was you know there there was a lot of uh unity and togetherness i think i mean they hadn't played dazzling football really but uh, yeah, they they looked fairly stable at least I think. Um, but still, it was a two-one win against Slovakia. Uh, yeah, they got another goal, a goal back with a penalty, which was literally the last kick of the game. Um, so yeah, two-one again, pretty much like the group stage games. It was a good win, not an amazing win. Nothing to really convince people we could beat our next opponents, who were Brazil. Before we get into the match, I mean, taking a look at Brazil, they, I think, arguably the favourites for the tournament. It was them in Spain. I think if you asked pretty much anyone, you know, 90% of people would predict either Brazil or Spain. There were some some weird people in England, of course, who felt England were really good, but they weren't. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was pretty much Brazil and Spain. Uh, everyone thought that was kind of going to be the final with them on opposite sides. And yeah, Brazil kind of lived up to the... The billing, hadn't they, in the group stages um, and in the last 16? I mean, they had Kaka, they had Luis Fabiano, they had Rubinho, um, Danny Alves, Maicon. Yeah, it was a pretty strong side that was definitely the favourites against us, wasn't it? Yeah, for sure. And yeah, they had looked good. They had uh, Portugal, Ivory Coast and North Korea in their group. Um, and uh, yeah, they beat, uh, I think Portugal was the only team that they drew with, um, and they came up against the Chile team that actually that looked really good as well in the the first uh, in the group stage. Um, yeah, it was an excellent Chile team, I thought actually. Um, yeah, and yeah, it was a convincing three 0 win uh, against them in the second round. So yeah, when you compared the strength of Chile and how easily Brazil had uh, overcome them, uh, compared to Netherlands start and that sort of perf- less than convincing performance uh, against Slovakia. Yeah, Brazil looked like uh, the the favourites, but yeah, Netherlands players when they were talking about it before the game, like they they really didn't seem to have it, felt like they had no real reason to fear them. They seemed to have a pretty decent understanding of how Brazil played, and felt like um, they were a really good match for them. And that kind of yeah, it did eventually turn out to be the case. But um, yeah, for most of us, especially after that. Let's start. Um, yeah, the first ten minutes. Uh, yeah, I was, I was, I was very nervous. Yeah, me too. I remember vividly uh, running home from school to watch it because I, 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 I left as soon as I could, ran home, made it just in time for kickoff. Um, not too optimistic, really, but you know, as a kid, you kind of still imagine that you're going to win you think somehow something will happen you know this is my team my team has to win um but then i remember getting down sitting in front of the tv and then seeing uh during the warm-up Joris matyson kind of shake his head and go off and um it's changed his starting lineups andre oya coming in which again was a bit of a concern wasn't it i mean matyson and heitinger maybe not too 
you know, top, top players, but they'd kind of formed a, a really strong partnership uh, with the rest of the back four as well. So that was another pretty big concern just before kickoff, I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, yeah, Oyer was like 35 by that point. He's, uh, Matthijsson was, I think, 30, so he had a wee bit more youth in him. And uh, yeah, you got the feeling that that was a centre-back pairing that could just easily be cut through. And, well... Ten minutes into it, it absolutely yeah. was, <laughs> um, yeah. and uh, that was a that was a huge concern because uh, Matthijsson had looked really good, and uh, when he came back, I thought he, he played really well as well. And in the final, I thought he was he did well against uh, David Villa, but um, yeah, this one it was that uh, was like that's that's the one of the guys that you definitely don't want to lose, considering you don't have like a proper. Uh, a player of the same profile, basically, in the same um, age, uh, same speed to really slot into that position available. So Oyer was just like, you know, this guy is going to be a bit of a bomb scare against this uh, fast uh, attack that uh, Brazil are capable of putting forward, putting through when you've got Rodrigo yeah. uh, running forward and you've got Kaká sort of pulling the strings. Danny yeah. Alves can be running at you and stuff. There's a lot, of, a lot to worry about there. Yeah, and it, that... that... Uh, the worries were very much uh, justified because, like you said, about 10 minutes in, I think of Felipe Melo picked up the ball around the halfway line, um, put it straight through the middle for Robinho. Oya didn't step up with the rest of the back four, played him on side. And yeah, Robinho stroked home 1-0. Um, and that was after he'd also scored in a goal that was just offside a few minutes yeah. earlier, I'm pretty yeah, sure. So like one minute. One minute before yeah. like they had this really quick um two two really quick attacks. And the ball from Melo was sensational. I mean I thought it was mm. fantastic. I just couldn't believe how it just sliced right through the team. Um and I think Robinho finished it with his first touch really or maybe he took one, but um it was just so well done. Uh, I thought it was oofed. And yeah, well it felt like a Netherlands tried to replicate that a few days later um, against uh, Spain, but uh, that one was just—I uh, thought it was magnificent. And yeah, after that start, they yeah they had one goal chopped off, then they scored. It was just like, okay, this might get embarrassing. This is, uh, this is not fun. <laughs> yeah, that was a concern at that point, and then really for the rest of the half, it continued to be like that. Um, Brazil were definitely the better team. I think we had a few chances. But really, they were the better team. Um, Stakelenburg had to make some unbelievable saves. I remember he made a save from Kaka. Kaka kind of, from the edge of the box, went to call it into the top corner. Stakelenburg tipped it over. Um, right at the end of the first half, he made another save from Maicon. Uh, Maicon went for a near post goal. And yeah, it was a fairly worrying first half. I think it was kind of what most people had expected with Brazil pretty comfortably being the better team. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, like we said, they had a really good squad. It was a really good blend, I felt. I really liked it. And um, it was, yeah, it was an exciting game, but it just, from a, from our perspective, wasn't fun for most of it. They were the better team. They didn't completely dominate that first half. Dirk out had a chance, I remember. I think a few set pieces. Robin was kind of causing uh, Michelle Bastos some problems on the, on, on the right. So we were still in it, at least. Straight away from the second half, we played a lot better. We were not on top, but I think we were had more possession. We were attacking more, creating more. I'm not sure exactly what Van Marwijk did at half time, but whatever it was, it worked because yeah, we were definitely 
more threatening, I think. We looked like, you know, we could actually get back into it. And then, yeah, I mean, eight minutes in, we equalized through a bit of a freak goal uh, yeah. from a free kick. Ball ends up with Schneider left foot uh, pretty far out on the right-hand side. He just hits it in into the area, hoping someone gets a touch in it. And uh, yeah, Felipe Melo and Julio Cesar both go for it and it ends up in the back of the net. Yeah, and uh, it was yeah, it was a wee bit controversial just the awarding of the free kick as well, right? I mean, Robin kind of yeah. made the most of a tackle, uh, and yeah, just did his, uh, his jump up and fall to the ground uh, thing, um, and they were like, oh, "Are you serious?" The Brazil players were outraged, um, and yeah, just lovely ball in, but it just uh, it was nice. It was lucky for. Um, Netherlands that uh, Melo and Cesar both went for it and just collided with each other before one of them could get to it. And that was a funny thing. I mean, Melo had actually played really well, obviously set up the goal. And Julio Cesar was a fantastic goalkeeper. I mean, he came, he was uh, entered at the time, so they just won the treble. And um, yeah, he was he was magnificent. And uh, it was just it was a strange, uh, just ter- terrible time for them to mix up their communication and both make uh, errors like that. Gave us a bit of a boost, really. Back on level terms and suddenly, yeah, back in it. Um, and yeah, we had started that 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 half really well on the whole, I think. Um, but after that, it, it became a pretty even game again. I think we both had some chances. Uh, not too much in it. But I mean, I think one of the keys was Robin was starting to get the ball a lot more. and He was starting to really yeah. frustrate the Brazil defence. Uh uh, I, I remember they were so so annoyed with him kind of rolling around all the time, which uh, would work out pretty well for us in the end. Um, but I mean, before that, we somehow end up take, taking the lead, uh, get a corner. Robin swings it in with his left foot. I remember, I think Schneider had taken a few corners from that side on his right foot and it just hadn't worked. So they kind of thought, OK, let's switch it up, put Robin in with the in-swinger instead. Dirk out flicks it on with a great run at the near post. And um, yeah, Schneider nods in. Suddenly he's got two goals and suddenly we're in front. And uh, yeah, and the first goal was a freak one for that, for uh, one reason. Schneider scoring a header uh, <laughs> in the middle of the box. Unbelievable. And even he, like yeah. his, uh, his celebration was amazing because he was like running, just slapping his head. And like, can you believe this? And I, as a, as a, a fellow short guy, I was in awe of it. I was like, hell yeah, he just made a big victory for us uh, on short off. This is <laughs> I was so happy. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, but he was just like perfectly placed for it, right? He's just like, he didn't really have to do anything. It just, um, the ball just sort of yeah, just went straight to his head. And uh, and then it was, well, it was, uh, he did well to, to develop it, to be fair, but uh, he was just in the perfect place for it. And, uh, yeah, that one was, yeah, I was, so technically, yeah, it was kind of two freak goals and that's, that's it. <laughs> Schneider was not famous for scoring headers whatsoever. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was excellent. And uh, yeah, it was uh, just like, yeah, like 15 minutes after they had equalised uh, and uh, yeah, just turned everything around. Basically, you could see that first goal had just really level, uh, even things out. Schneider gets the, the next one and then Brazil kind of start to, fall apart right I mean uh, was it yeah. five minutes later uh, Felipe Melo with a <clears throat> really bad tackle gets his red card and you get a kind of implosion going on almost yeah yeah and I mean that red card was again from Robin <laughs> Robin had been fouled 
by Felipe Melo, and then Felipe Melo just lost his head with Robin rolling around and just stamped on him. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously this game's mainly remembered for Schneider, which is pretty fair. Um, two goals, obviously, but I think Robin was kind of the biggest thorn in Brazil's side for a lot of it. Um, and ended up, yeah, getting getting Melo sent off. I mean, that had been a remarkable second half for Melo, pretty much an own goal, and then a red card within the space of 20 minutes. Um, and yeah, it's it's just sort of the way they fell apart was something that you know you'd kind of in the past expect the Dutch to do, not Brazilians. It was uh, just unbelievable. And yeah, and the Melo's performance kind of summed it up, and it was like a good sum up of his of him as a player as well. I mean, he had played at some uh, really big teams and played really well at times, but he always had this kind of mad streak in him, I guess, um, or, or a kind of not in terms of always being violent and stuff, but he's just a wee bit destructive as a as a player in a, a way that kind of handled him, I think, even though he was capable of pretty um, yeah, amazing things like that pass for the first goal as well. So a nice wee summary <laughs> in, uh, in itself. We'd gone 2-1 up and they'd had a red card. At that point, you're sort of dreaming of, or to be honest, in the World Cup final, the other quarter final was Uruguay-Ghana. So... At that point, you're kind of like, oh my God, this team's actually going to get to the final. But uh, <laughs> despite the fact they had 10 men, it wasn't exactly a comfortable last uh, 15, 20 minutes, really, was it? I mean, God, we, we, we didn't half make it hard on ourselves. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, which, yeah, as I say, I was just like constantly nervous. At no point was I thinking, oh yeah, this is done. Yeah, I mean, especially at 1-1, but even at 2-1, I was still like... Uh, this is the Netherlands, and uh, this is a strong Brazil team. I mean, the quality that they had. Um, yeah, you could just... Uh, there was no way to get uh, caught here or anything, really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one one vivid memory I do have is uh, Andre Oya, after a pretty shoddy first half, turning into prime Yapstam. Um, <laughs> I, I remember one moment where uh, Kaka was running at him, Full, full tilt. Uh, Oya was on his uh, going backwards, back to go, and Kaka gets into the box, shoots with his left foot, and uh, Oya blocks it, just puts it wide, and uh, I think that kind of put him into down in Dutch folklore. To be honest, just just that alone. Um, yeah, I mean that that moment. There are a few more. I remember Brazil getting a corner and Stakelenburg kind of coming out and flapping and Dirk out heading it just behind. There were a few that gave me a mini heart attack. <laughs> and then we we should have obviously sealed it. We Huntelaar came on, um, long ball up. And I think it was pretty much he had it on the byline. Robin was standing free in the box. But uh, the story had come out afterwards that Julio Cesare told him that the ref had blown for offside. <laughs> so he'd kind yeah. of delayed his pass, didn't square it to Robin, and it was intercepted. I mean, uh, I was... So, so nervous at that point. I, I kind of thought they were going to find a way to equalise, but uh, just about held on. And I think, well, really, this is the match that makes this team so famous, so so kind of loved by so many Dutch fans. Because, I mean, before this, they hadn't really done anything significant, had they? This was the match that kind of put them down in history, I think. Yeah, this was a really big test. And, uh, yeah, well... Few people really expected them to to, to beat this Brazil team that did look really good uh, at the start of the tournament, and, uh, especially from the previous game. So yeah, this was like the the big boost that everyone needed. The thing that had everyone been like, yeah, as you say, 
thinking, oh, wait, this is actually now possible for them to go all the way. Yeah, I mean, that's what kind of made this win feel so much bigger. I mean, at the end, it was only a quarter final, you know, that's getting to the semi finals is good, but it's not some massive, crazy achievement. But it felt so much bigger because we'd ended up getting a fairly weak side of the draw after all with Uruguay. Um, being our semi-final opponents, you know. I mean, when the full-time whistle went against Brazil, you had all the subs running onto the pitch, all the staff, you know, massive celebrations. I mean, it felt like it felt like a huge moment, didn't it? Like one of our one of our biggest ever wins, probably. The extent of the celebrations was an indication of just how much they really thought that they're like this is it, this is um, this is a, a change in the in the weather of how we actually see ourselves. We actually have a. Uh, yeah, cemented themselves as one of the strongest teams in the tournament. No, I mean, there's yeah, there's only really Spain left. I, I, I was a wee bit worried because I, I, I really like that Uruguay team. Mm. Um, I was, for some reason I was the soft spot. I think it goes back from when like um, the days of Alvaro Recoba and stuff. I just uh, always uh, liked him, and from then on loved the uh, Uruguay's uh, teams. But Oscar Tabares was such a a legend, and uh, yeah, you had yeah. Cavani and Forlan in there, which was just a that could be a devastating attack. Good goalkeeper and Muslera at the time, and, and Godin and uh, Caceres in there as well, and Perez and Pereira on the wings were were really good. So I felt like, um, yeah, there was no way to, no reason to underestimate Uruguay. Um, I was a wee bit nervous, but um, yeah, I mean, if you the thought was if you can take out Brazil in this tournament where they are one of the big favourites, then there's no there's no way, no reason to, to think that you can't beat anybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. But yeah, I mean, it's true what you're saying. It was still a very good Uruguay side. You had Diego Forlan, who was just absolutely tearing it up at that tournament. It um, scored some crazy goals, seemed to kind of understand the Jubilani like no other player. Um Cavani obviously gone in. Yeah, Maslera was a really good keeper. We were helped by the fact that Luis Suarez was suspended for some uh, minor low-profile red card he got in that last 16 match, a quarter-final match against Ghana, um, which was a relief. But on the flip side, we had Nigel de Jong suspended uh, and Gregory van der Veel suspended, both for getting two yellow cards. And the replacements for van der Veel and Nigel de Jong were not particularly encouraging I don't think you had Khaled Bularis came in who great player but he was fairly old at this point um, past his best for sure uh, and then you had yeah Demi Dezea who you mentioned earlier who was um, yeah not not a Nigel De Jong level holding midfielder I don't think was he nah Dezea wasn't really up to the up to the standard he was good for Ajax he, did, uh, he was uh, a good part of that team but um yeah, he wasn't uh, of the standard, but I don't think Bularis was that old at that point. I think he, he just mm. wasn't really that good. I mean, uh, <laughs> I think he was. Yeah, I think he was only like in his late twenties still. Uh, he was so, uh, but yeah, he wasn't like uh, yeah, he wasn't he wasn't like Van der Veel basically. And Van der Veel at that time was excellent. I mean, you forget how uh, how much was expected of him really because he was still at Ajax. Um, and uh, yeah, he obviously went on to play for PSG, but at that time he was still a, a really, he was only 22 years old, um, still blossoming, still developing, and, and people expected a lot of him, which he never really fulfilled. So yeah, swapping him for Bula Rose was, uh, was not something that gave you a lot of, um, a lot of uh, confidence, but mm. 
there was enough there with Van Bommel playing sort of on that side of the midfield and Heitinger and Mark Tyson there that you uh, you could think that they could still cover for any defensive weaknesses, but it did sort of have you thinking that Robin is really kind of on his own on that flank when it comes to going forward. Yeah, I've just, I've just uh, checked actually. Yeah, you're right. Bullerus is only 28, which I don't know why I thought he was so much. Let's kind of blow him out. I remember looking at him in the 2006 World Cup and he did not look like a young player at all. So he's just got <laughs> yeah, an old face. He's never looked young. Yeah, he's never looked young. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. But um, yeah, and, uh, yeah, I'd really liked Van der Gaard at that tournament actually. He, like you said, he'd offered a lot going forward, uh, linking up with Robin really well. Um, but yeah, it was. I think we still headed into it as favourites, despite the changes. Um, and then, and then we took the lead with a crazy goal that I still cannot get my head around to this day. Uh, yeah, Giovanni van Bronckhorst picks it up about thirty-five yards out on the left side of the pitch, and just God knows why he thought I'm going to shoot. I still don't understand why he decided to shoot from there. Um, but he did, and he smacks it straight into the top top right corner. Just an unbelievable goal. Uh, and he, this was his uh, his final tournament before he was going to retire. He was captain in the side, and then he goes and does that in the World Cup semi-final. I mean, yeah, I, I remember just being blown away by that. I don't think I was even celebrating. I was just so shocked that it had happened. Yeah. I mean, why shoot? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because it's one of those like moments just in the middle of nowhere, and you're you're not like prepared for it. So it's just like, it just feels like a dull moment, and uh, yeah. uh, that you're waiting for them to make a pass or or do something to bring the attack on a wee bit, not just like just blast it straight at the top <laughs> from nowhere. I mean, yeah, I think it was one of those goals that like caused a, an involuntary reaction from me, where I just screamed and hit a that I'd never, I didn't know that I could, uh, I could. My voice was capable of reaching. I was like, "What? That is wild!" Um, yeah, it was like seventeen minutes in, right? It was just, like, yeah, it just felt like a nothing moment for until the ball just leaves his foot, and you're like, "What is going on? This is insane!" And it was so perfect, man. It was so perfectly placed in the corner, unbelievable. And uh, yeah, I mean, possibly best of our Netherlands goal, maybe. I don't know. It depends. Uh, for me, it's still uh, one in nineteen ninety eight. But um, yeah, that was just. That was just phenomenal. And yeah, like you say, guy's 35 years old, is playing his last tournament, and he must have just thought, ah, bollocks to it. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's make it a me moment. And uh, <laughs> it's just incredible. It's just, uh, just unbelievable. You just did not expect it from him, of all people, really. Yeah, just crazy. Uh, yeah, that put us 1 0 up. But then we, we only led for about 20 minutes, Diego Forlan equalising. Using the dark arts of the Jubilani with another really good goal, to be fair, left foot edge of the box. But Stakelberg kind of got his position. Well, I don't know. Did Stakelberg get his position all wrong, or did the ball just move in I mean, correctly? He got a, he got a touch to it, right? It wasn't like yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, but that ball was uh, yeah super perceptive and yeah got a lot of complaints. But uh, it was still it was still really well done. I mean. It was uh, it was a nice goal. Yeah, yeah, it was a good goal, and it was, yeah, it'd been the first half that, from what I remember, after we scored, it wasn't great. I think Uruguay maybe was slightly, it was, I don't know, pretty even, but I remember Uruguay being fairly threatening, um, and yeah, then getting that goal just before half time, they definitely had the momentum. 
Yeah, and it was, yeah, it was like neither side really made great chances. It was quite telling that the goals came from from uh, shots from distance. Um, both teams were getting forward a lot, but they really couldn't carve out anything really great. Um, but I still felt like it was uh, it was a fun game because uh, the defenders were getting really close to the attackers, making it quite physical um, and uh, getting some some pretty strong challenges in there. I mean, I think even Van Bronckhorst's goal came right after. <laughs> that pretty bad, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, pretty bad tackle. Um, and uh, the, the referee was just like, yeah, I don't care. Let's set the tone for the game. And that it kind of did because there were a lot of like, physical battles going on and um, yeah I thought it was a fun first half even though apart from the goals there weren't like great chances but I mean well, the goals were pretty phenomenal themselves so they did add a lot of excitement but um, mm. neither side really taking control and uh, looking like the, the absolute uh, the ones that were just destined to go on and win it no no but um, then at half time Van Marwijk made a change brought on Van der Vaart for Desire Van der Vaart played deeper as one of the holding mids and uh, yeah I mean this Dutch team obviously has a reputation for not playing particularly good expansive attacking football but I thought this second half actually was probably the the best football we played at the tournament it was a really good half I thought you know kind of Van der Vaart came on and immediately I think we kind of changed the way we played he was yeah he changed he the, was controlling the it for the midfield completely uh, gave them made them a bit more constructive instead of just uh, blocking a lot uh, they the, the livened up quite a lot actually I mean both teams did the, I mean Cavani had a, a pretty good chance uh, in the second half where Stegman had to rush out and block them um, but Netherlands yeah they had the, they were a bit more uh, effective in possession after that yeah made a, a really big difference and. Yeah, I, I think we generally were the better team for that half. And then 70th minute, we take the lead again through a Schneider goal. Got it on the edge of the box after a nice link-up play. Fires it in. It kind of goes past Van Persie, who moves his foot. So people, and he was in an offside position. So people are like, ah, oh, well, shouldn't that be offside? But I mean, he didn't touch it, didn't get in the keeper's way. So not the case. Um, and it was a, another really good goal from Schneider, actually. It was kind of clouded a bit by all the controversy with whether Van Persie played a part in it but that was yeah, yeah really good finish um, and his fifth goal of the tournament certainly <laughs> yeah and I to be fair I actually was thinking this is going to get uh, taken off I thought I, it did look like it uh, hit off uh, Van Persie initially um, so I was uh, I was unsure um, but yeah it was it was really well done from Schneider I mean he was just he was so good through the tournament just uh, so vital and, uh, and threatening and uh, yeah, that's was really well done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at this point, he'd had yeah five goals, obviously, um, a few assists. Uh, I mean, obviously set up Robin against Slovakia. Uh, kind of set up the goal against Cameroon. Robin hit the post with it. Um, and yeah, it was really dictating dictating games at this point. You know, anything good that we did really came through either him or Robin. Um, and then speaking of Robin, we scored. I think this goal is. Really underrated, actually. Three minutes later, we go and get a, get another goal to make it 3-1. And yeah, I thought this was a great goal. It was an iron Robin header, which is pretty crazy. But it was a really good team move. Kind of played it out from the back. Um, ended up with Cout on the left wing. He cuts back onto his right, crosses it in. And Robin just, with a, literally a perfect header, puts it into the, into the bottom corner. Which, again, you'd never think he'd be scoring headers like that. But yeah, that was... A really nice goal, actually. A good team move, I think. And 3-1 at that point. 
that whole second half, I think we'd played really good football, um, gone 3-1 ahead. And yeah, I mean, the scoreline 3-2 obviously makes it look like it was a, a really kind of tight game. We kind of scraped through, but I feel like we were fairly comfortably the better team in that second half. But then obviously, yeah, they did get a second goal in the 90th minute, um, which was another really good goal, actually. There was some serious quality in this match. Um, and then I think they did get actually maybe get like one half chance in the last minute where they just kind of punted it long with the keeper, um, which I was a bit nervous about. But on the whole, it was definitely a deserved victory, wasn't it, to get through to the final? Yeah, nervous after the first half, but yeah, they really showed that they, they could play some nice stuff in the second half and, uh, and be effective. And, yeah, it was a, a, a big boost to overcome yeah, a decent Uruguay team. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a decent side. Um, and that's the story of the 2010 World Cup, so thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Nothing more to say. Uh, smooth and uh, no trauma whatsoever. <laughs> no, nah, nah, I don't actually remember what happened next, so I guess we can't talk about it. Um, uh, let's get into it. I mean, yeah, at this point, we've made it to our third World Cup final. I remember that was actually, as a kid, it was kind of the first time watching football work or even sport where I'd had this sense of like properly witnessing history I think you know yeah. because like the 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 74 and the 78 team I'd grown up hearing about them from my family you know, they'd gone down in history because they'd made it to world cup finals um and when we when the full-time whistle blew against Uruguay I remember thinking like you know this is another team that's going to be mentioned this in the same breath as them because they've got there as well you know it's going to be remembered forever for this, which was a pretty surreal yeah. feeling. I do have a, a, a story that um, might uh, shed some new light onto exactly what went wrong with the Netherlands, actually. Uh, so I have a friend here. She was uh, at a camping uh, site, a campsite with her family uh, around this around this tournament. The day of the final, she um, yeah, she was like eleven years old. And the day of the final, she was uh, she was looking for a toilet in this campsite. And uh, she goes to the stalls and finds that they're all occupied. Uh, and she's like, yo, I can't really wait. <laughs> so <laughs> instead of uh, going to find the bush or anything, she just climb up on one of the sinks and take a shit in the sink. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and <Jesus>. she, <laughs> and later on, obviously, the Netherlands lose the final. And she maybe thought she was being punished by God. She was convinced, <laughs> this uh, superstitious 11-year-old, was absolutely convinced for a long time, for years, that it was hanging around her that she thought that <laughs> she, the punishment was for her doing that was that Netherlands lost the World Cup. So she, for a long time, thought that she was solely responsible for <laughs> Netherlands losing the final against uh, against Spain. It wasn't something that just hung around for like a day. She thought, nah, that's a dumb, that's a dumb thought. It's almost crazy. This stuck with her for a long time and was a source of immense anxiety to the point that she couldn't tell anybody about it because she thought, like, I don't know, like 17 million people would have held her up as a scapegoat. And now that I've told this story, they might do it. I mean, if anyone's uh, looking for her, her name's Amy Schulter, so uh, you can. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I told her I would name and shame her. So I think, uh, oh, I think we man. can, uh, I think we can uh, give. Um, Mark van Bommel, Michiel de Jong, Bert van Marvick, so we can cut them some slack now. Uh, yeah, there were some extra forces working against them, and it's uh, it's not their fault. 
I've been holding on for so many years to this real hatred of Howard Webb, Andres Iniesta, um, Iron Robin even for missing that chance. But uh, that's all just gone away. It turns out there was another force higher than them to blame this yeah. whole time. Hey, God. if you want our address to send us some hate mail, <laughs> hit me up. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I send the threatening letters every day. It doesn't go as free. Well, now we know. Now we know. Someone, something to blame for what for what transpired next. I mean, it did kind of feel like that the, the Dutch team was possessed by some outside force, you know, because they'd been... No, I don't know. I don't know. I think Dirty's a bit strong. They'd been... I don't know, uh, pragmatic, let's say, in the build-up to that final, right, at the rest of the World Cup. They hadn't played particularly free-flowing, attractive football, but they weren't kicking the kicking the crap out of everyone who came anywhere near them either. Um, and I think there was a bit of a hope before that, you know, it was kind of interesting subplot as well, wasn't it, that it was coming up against the Spanish team that had kind of played the traditional Dutch way. You know, they played the way that Crawford made Barcelona play um, and that had come through to this national team it was kind of how you know how the Dutch wanted to play versus how they were actually playing um, yeah. I also wonder like yeah this would have been like a perfect uh, a perfect Dutch team for a coach like Jose Mourinho because mm. um, he was obviously the master well as the master at uh, the siege mentality sort of stuff yeah you had everyone just Praising Spain so much, they were just uh, everyone yeah. the, the golden boys of of world football, basically because of that beautiful style that they had, which was was fair enough um, and absolutely true. But I, as a result, everyone it wasn't just that everyone was in favour of Spain; everyone hated the Netherlands because of the way they were playing as well. So um, yeah, they had this sort of uh, everyone's against us sort of thing. Kind of, it was the opposite of the '74 World Cup. You know, we had him into it with the team that was less fancied. You know, I think everyone thought Spain were the better team, were the favourites. Uh, we had it into the team that didn't play the good football. You know, we were kind of just. I think everyone thought we were just there to be beaten by Spain. I suppose, and it, it, it <laughs> I don't know. It kind of looked that way. There was definitely a shift. I think in the first twenty minutes or so. Um, at first, kind of Van Marwijk thought, right, let's just sit deep, kind of park the bus, um, you know, let them have the ball, and we'll just kind of camp out and hold them off, counter-attack them. Uh, but that wasn't really working. Spain got a few chances. It wasn't going particularly good opening to the game. So he thought, right, let's do something else. <laughs> and the team started to press a lot higher pressured the the Spain players a lot more and took it a little far, I think. I mean, it really kind of all all, all kicked off with Nigel de Jong's famous Kung Fu kick that that should have been a red card and that was sadly a sort of sign of things to come. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was was crazy. I mean, I was was on my own in this and I had a sense of... uh, Sympathy towards him because he he I, I don't feel like he meant to do it. It was dangerous, uh, obviously. So yeah, it was a red card, but he wasn't really looking at what was going on. He wasn't really looking at Xavi Alonso. I think his eyes were on the ball, but yeah, it was just so high and just planted firmly in his chest that it was it was genuinely dangerous. Uh, and that was the that became the 
the symbol, the symbolic moment of of this Netherlands team, right? And yeah. that was the dominant <laughs> image of the whenever anyone thinks of Netherlands um, twenty ten World Cup uh, campaign, they're not thinking of any Esther's goal. They just that I mean, that frame, one frame yep. of uh, De Jong's foot right in uh, Xavi Alonso's chest. Is, uh, is the is the iconic moment of it? It's kind of yeah, it's the Dutch version of Zidane's headbutt on Matarazzi. Mark Van Bommel was in the background watching on, and it kind of feels right to me. You know, they're both there. It, it watching really on is. in admiration as well. Yeah, like, you could imagine if, if the camera stayed with Van Bommel, you could just imagine him like clapping along, being like, "What have you got away with that? That was nice." Yeah, <laughs> I you told pay, you well. Paying attention to me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> grasshopper or the the training master. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but the <laughs> fact of the matter is, it was working how the Dutch were playing because this was a great Spain team and they didn't really create many massive chances. They had a few chances from set pieces. Uh, Stakelenburg made a great save. Heitlinger made a pretty unbelievable block after missing a header. Um, and David Villa went close. But really, it was, apart from the kind of, you know, the painful way in which it, tainted the Dutch reputation it was not going that badly the match really was it Spain hadn't created much at all no yeah it was uh, and especially the first half was pretty quiet um, itself in that in that respect and yeah you felt like yeah the strategy wasn't working too well but once they opened up a wee bit um, they started to level it, uh, level with uh, Spain uh, as, as I said earlier I thought McTyson did pretty well against David Fear. Um and uh, I think I looked okay, although eventually not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah, you know, it was it was um yeah. The thing about this team was they had they had like a although it looked like they were two different there were two different parts to the squad. You obviously had the defensive side, the the back uh, seven, and then you had the the front four, and um they were just two different sides of it. But it there was like it still did combine to make a nice balance to this this team. And uh, once they started to support the the front four a wee bit more, then yeah, they did look uh, they did look dangerous, especially in the second half, and especially with uh, yeah with Robin starting to get through a wee bit eventually. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was a big moment really before any Esther's goal. Um, Robin had been fairly threatening in the first half. I mean, that was our kind of big area where we could cause some damage. You had one of our best players on the right wing and then their weakest player, I think, Cap Devere at left back. So, you know, that's definitely the area. And Robin had gone close. Casillas made a save, kind of bottom corner. Um, and then, yeah, second half, pretty deep into the second half, he gets the chance. Um, Schneider picks up the ball halfway line, plays an unbelievable pass. It's far too forgotten about. I think if Robin scored this, it would go down as like one of the best passes in history. Like yeah, Schneider can... Like uh, the Boer on Bergkamp in yeah. Yes. The, the iconic like... Yeah, it would have been. I mean, it was... He, got, he had his back to back to the goal on the halfway line. It's kind of falling and as he falls, he just plays a through ball kind of on the half volley right through the middle of the Spanish defence into the path of Robin who's made a run in behind, stayed on side. And yeah, he's one and one at this point with Casillas. And I remember that moment felt so long. It felt like he was bearing down on that goal for like half an hour. Yeah. Um, yeah, it felt uh, like, yeah. But after it, it felt like he, 
Like I had misremembered it. I felt like I felt like he picked the ball up so much earlier, so much yeah. further back in the, yeah. in the half, and it's just like bedded down. But no, it was over in such a in just like milliseconds, basically. But it yeah, it's really weird. Yeah, and literally, I remember in my head he was running half the length of the pitch with the ball yeah. going down. Yeah. But it it was so much quicker than that, and yeah, he. I don't know. I think did he do that much wrong? Um, Casillas got lucky. Casillas went the wrong way, but saved it with his foot. Um, but that was the chance, wasn't it? That could have given us our first World Cup. Yeah, and it was it was really annoying to have like, like this be the the start of all oh, Robin is like a big game bottle or sort of thing. And mm. that really really got to me because I just didn't see it. I mean these these yeah Casillas was a phenomenal goalkeeper. He was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and uh, he, yeah, he didn't have a lot of time or really any time to, to deal with it, despite what we, what our brains tricked us into thinking. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, and yeah, the problem was that he got a second crack at it, and that one was even more difficult because Puyo held it back. But I thought this one, yeah, yeah, Casillas did what Casillas is supposed to do. He was great at, uh, at this sort of stuff. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I couldn't really blame Robin himself. It was, uh, uh, it was just a golden chance, and as you say, it would have been just a, a, the best pass ever, and just a phenomenal finish if uh, yeah he managed to pull it off. Yeah, that's the thing. It was a great save from Casillas, and then, like you said, he uh, went through on goal again. And I don't think that was his fault either. Really, uh, Puyol pulled him back. Should have got a second yellow card. Shocking decision. That was with about five minutes left of the match, wasn't it? And Puyol on a yellow card that could have changed it all. Yeah, yeah, there was a yeah, even without scoring it, yeah, it could have been the the moment that uh, turned things around. If uh, Puyol was penalised for that, I mean, yeah, he he slips right past him. It's really well done from Robin. You can see just how his pace just completely exposed that uh, that back line. I mean, he had no at one point Puyol was ahead of him, and you just think he's he's going to steal it, but uh, Robin just gets through, and Puyol goes down and. The, his arm comes over and yeah, he definitely disrupts Robin's run. Yeah. It wasn't like Robin could just easily just shake him off and recover from it. And uh, they had a the good reason to play on. It was like uh, really that uh, slow him down and and ruin the chance essentially. Yeah, yeah, properly slowed him down. Um, but no, no yellow card was given. Things went on and. Game went to extra time. Uh, we're pretty early on. I think Spain had their chance where if they lost, that would have been their Robin chance. Um, Fabregas, kind yeah, of yeah. pretty open inside the box. Uh, go, goes to shoot when he could have squared it, I think, to to Chavi, I think. And Stakelenburg makes a great save. Um, not the first one he made that night either. He'd had, well, he'd been great all tournament, actually. Um, yeah. But that was their big, that was their first massive chance of the match, I think, actually. Yeah, so like, yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, um, if XG was around back then, I think that would have been their first one that was maybe over <laughs> 0. 0.5. <laughs> uh, 0. 0.5, maybe. Um, but yeah, it remains nil-nil and then goes into goes into halftime of X-Trime, still nil-nil. I think at this point, Van Maal likes trying to be a bit more expansive, isn't he? I think he brings Van Vaarten and brings Elia on to try and control the game a bit more because I mean the way we were playing to do that for 120 minutes you're gonna get tired and gaps are gonna yeah. show um yeah he took he took on Van Bronckhorst as well for Braffide 
Yeah, that was the thing that amazed me. I was like, are you serious? Edson yeah. Graffite is playing in a World Cup final. What is going on? And was that, I think that was like his only appearance at the tournament, right? It was, yeah. He hadn't been brought on at all. And um, I was like, are you serious? Edson Braffite is playing in a World Cup final, replacing Giovanni <laughs> Van Bronckhorst. What yeah. madness is this? Uh, this is it, insanity. That, that it really felt, yeah. It felt so odd as well because he just brought on Van der Vaart as well to go as a holding midfielder. So you've got less defensive stability. Now you bring on Braffa. I mean, I think it was way too simplistic as up because Jesus Navas had just come on for Spain yeah, and was quick and was not just come on actually, been on a while, but he was tearing Van Bronckhorst. Well, not tearing him apart, causing him problems. And Van Mark was like, oh, I have a fast left back. Let's just do that. And it's yeah, like a fast uh, left back that never defends, a fast left, yeah. left back that has zero defensive ability. Yeah. And yeah, and as well, he took off Dirk Kaut for Elliot, right? And Kaut does a lot, he protects Van Bronckhorst a lot in that role as a left winger. So he just single handedly just teared apart the defensive stability. Um, and then things get even better because Heitingen gets sent off, which uh, a second yellow. Probably was a second yellow. Iniesta went down very easily for my liking, but I think it, it's probably the right decision. One of the few Howard Webb got right. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, but it was, yeah, just a devastating time. It's like, what, just five minutes into the second half of extra time. Yeah. And, uh, but you've also got, uh, I think, well, uh, I don't think Van der Veel and Matthijsen have been booked yet, but, um, yeah, you have like half the teams already been booked, so you're thinking, well, we could we could go, we could end up losing a few more players by the time, uh, yeah, in the next ten minutes, essentially. Yeah, I know Matyson wasn't booked because he got his yellow for complaining after the goal, but I think Vanderville might have been. It's also surprising Matyson went the whole match without getting a yellow as well. It's quite quite impressive, but uh, yeah, at that point, ten men holding mid holding midfield has gone off. Your left back's gone off. I think Van Bommel was playing centre-back at that point with Van der Vaart as a protection in front, quote-unquote. Yeah. I mean, not not particularly encouraging, really. Uh, but I, I don't know. The goal at that point was get to penalties, right? Because we had Stakenberg, who was a really good goalkeeper. Um, and maybe we could do it. I mean, at that point, did you believe we could make it? Uh, yeah, I thought they could get through to, to penalties, for sure. Yeah, I still had that, that belief. Um, because as I say, like uh, Spain had only really one big chance. Um, you had this sort of feeling that Netherlands deserved to or had it in them, but kind of deserved to have a, another big chance after uh, the Robins misses. And um, yeah, it just felt like no one was really taking control of it. Still, uh, no one really deserved to be the outright winners, really. So uh, yeah, I still felt like yeah. We could, could uh, make it. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, and then he yeah, had the chain of events that led to four minutes left of time in Iniesta giving them the goal. I mean, again, I'm not bitter. I've moved on completely, you know. But I am a wee bit. It came from a goal kick that should have been a corner. Schneider had a free kick that clearly hit the wall and hit Casillas. Two touches. I still don't understand this. I, I, yeah. no, I've never had this uh, explained to me. I still don't get it. I thought I was, like, my again, like the Robin thing, I thought my eyes had deceived me. 
Yeah. Uh, and then, because the referee didn't even consider it, didn't care. And I was like, are you serious? And then I saw the replays and I was like, yes. And then I started yeah. to again think maybe I'm missing something. I don't understand this. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, what? And it still still doesn't make sense. And that wasn't even the only controversial uh, no. moment. Before the goal, right? I mean, yeah, earlier as well. On the, Navas on the left. Filled. He gets filled, right? By, was, it, was it Puyol, I think? Um, um, he got sandwiched, was, didn't he? I think it was maybe yeah, Ramos yeah. and Puyol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a foul, right? They actually, he does get tripped. It wasn't like he goes down uh, and no. dives. He got tripped. Um, and then they take possession. Uh, gets played up to Navas. Uh, and Van der Vaart, yeah. like, just gets easily beaten by him. Uh, yeah. which kind of annoyed me that was the thing it was like yeah they should have had a free kick um, or it should have been a, a, a foul but they had enough time to recover a wee bit even though yeah it's, everyone's completely wiped and uh, they're down a man but Van der Vaart could have done better against Navas and the Netherlands start scrambling as uh, Spain work it up and to be to in Van der Vaart's defence he does really get back and yeah, yeah he ends up uh, messing up a wee bit again but he does like make a, a big effort to, to get into the position that he's supposed to be but yeah Netherlands start to scramble a wee bit and some players are sucked to the ball a wee bit and it gives other players too much space uh, too much space I think Van Bommel was kind of uh, in between areas and uh, allowed them allowed uh, them to yeah, move forward a, a wee bit then uh, yeah the ball gets played and I think it was uh, yeah, Van der Vaart kind of blocks it and ends up playing it to Fabregas, right? Yeah. And, uh, and then Misery. Yeah, I think it was, I got, maybe Torres went to play it for Iniesta. And yeah, like you said, Van der Vaart did pretty well, got back, intercepted it. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. But it's never a good moment when Van der Vaart's your last man back. And then, yeah, like you said, it, that inception fell to Fabregas. And because Van der Vaart, he was still on the floor, I think, from making his interception. He was playing yeah. Iniesta on side. Um, and to be fair, it was a great finish. I mean, yeah. the composure to kind of flick it up and then on the volley. Um, Stakenberg got a hand to it, but it's too much power. <sighs> and that was that. <laughs> and God. again, yeah, it's from that side of the pitch where... Van Marvijk, the say the the team that Van Marvijk had destroyed with his substitutions. Yeah, yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, it just uh, it was, uh, just uh, it was painful. And Van der Vaart does like get up and try to block it, and he's just um, just a wee tiny bit off that like, he can't really block it. Yeah, and um, yeah, just chaos. And yeah, you you have to you had to be like, oh yeah, Iniesta, he's just pure class. Um, He's had such a great time, and he a classy uh, moment for him. And the fact that he he's the one who scores it and pays tribute to uh, Danny mm. Jarka, isn't it? With, um, yeah, yeah, and yeah, that was just like I mean, he was class all the way, essentially in that regard. And yeah, it just it was so crushing. Um, it was so devastating, really. Yeah, it it was. It's uh it hurt. Van der Vaart was so close to blocking it. Stakelenberg was so close to tipping it wide it was just ah oh, the margins yeah I don't think I've ever spoken about the final out loud in this depth I mean I'm getting goosebumps of pain I think just <laughs> just discussing it it's uh oh man it was I mean I, I don't know there was maybe the right team won but it 
it, it could have so easily been different. That's the thing, right? It's you look back in history, you think, yeah, this is an amazing Spain team that won three tournaments in a row, one of the best teams ever against a Dutch team that were hated by many in their own nation because they played crap football a lot of the time. But it was so close. It wasn't like you, you kind of think because that's the narrative, you kind of think, oh, Spain were always going to win that World Cup. But it could have so easily been different. I mean, this this 2010 team was it was it was like Rensenbrink in 78 when he hits the post you know it was yeah. closer than even the 74 team to winning the world cup it really was inches yeah, yeah and um, yeah and there were so many moments and decisions that had gone another way would have led to an Netherlands win yeah like the Robin moments the Puyol um, the holding yeah. back the, cor- the free kick the goal kick that should have been a corner the foul on uh, Elia I mean, yeah. yeah, like I say, you had this thing of like, there's something going on here. It's like uh, either yeah, <laughs> the FIFA wants uh, or Howard Webb wants Spain to win, which I don't, it's not what well, I wouldn't have said that, but uh, or you're like, uh, yeah, the football gods are punishing us, or yeah, apparently uh, uh, God himself for uh, for what my friend did. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. All these all these different factors playing. To just uh, screw Netherlands over in that one wee moment, as um, yeah, there were so many things that could have gone different. Just one of them goes a different way. And yeah, we're talking about a completely different final and a completely different attitude to this Netherlands team. Because mm. yeah, if that if that uh, first Schneider ball to Robin goes through, you're talking about how class Schneider was and how wonderful Robin is, yeah, and how they they were so devastating and how that team had such class uh, or such quality and such class of players. Yeah, they didn't always play. They didn't well very rarely actually played uh, in the class of way that they were capable of. But uh, yeah, your attitude to that team, I think, changes a lot. Um, if, if it goes a different way. That's the thing. It's yeah, let's get get onto that kind of finish off with what the legacy of this team is. It's it's an odd one, isn't it? Because it is the the joint best World Cup performance by the Netherlands ever. Um and yet it's not definitely not the joint most revered team in the Netherlands, yeah. you know. It's yeah, no, not not on this. Yeah, not in the same category as the teams of the 70s, of 88, even 98, I think, is loved more than this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. And that's, yeah, that's got an extra bit of nostalgia as well. But, um, I mean, yeah, for a, for a negative and destructive team, they won every game uh, in the qualifying. They won every game in the, uh, the build-up to the to the final. They drew the final. I mean, yeah, in the 90 minutes, they got yeah. the draw. They, I mean, they... For a team that was so negative, they won a lot of games. They and they they had some classic players, um, and uh, yeah, they did phenomenally well uh, to 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 get where they got because of uh, yeah. Well, obviously it was a fairly easy start to the tournament itself, but I mean, yeah, they they played some decent stuff when they needed to. Yeah, and as I say, I feel like the destructive side of them is a wee bit exaggerated, especially. Because of the that one De Jong thing, I mean, it was a very important moment, obviously. But that is the the image that everyone has, and that's just mm. um, the yeah, okay. They he they did that, he did that. Therefore, Netherlands were all like that. Every single player was like that. Well, that wasn't really the case. And um, no, nah. yeah, it's. Uh, I think uh, they were, they are unfairly um, chastised. And no, no, yeah, I completely agree. I think it is. 
the team is it's a team that's kind of divided the nation i think yeah sometimes it doesn't get the credit it deserves because i mean you know only in the first and last no only in the second match of the tournament and the last match of the tournament did that team not score more than one goal you know yeah they played really well against uruguay played some good football they had schneider and robin who were awesome um both really good i think robin van persie wasn't great but that was maybe a maybe a victim of of the system more than anything he was quite a lonely figure a lot of the time um but that's the thing. It wasn't just the side that kind of shit us their way to the final. They did play some good football. And in the final, the fact of the matter is, they came up against a team that's arguably the best national team ever, you know, yeah. win three major taunts in a row. And they took them to extra time and they lasted 116 minutes, which not many teams have done against that that, that generation of Spain players. So, yeah, I think it's um, in terms of maybe quality alone, it's not up there with the, the teams of the 70s, the 88 team, the 98 team. But, you know, they, they, they kind of compensated for that with their unity. You know, they yeah. they had what so many Dutch teams before them had lacked, I think. Um, yeah. They were together, you know. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah, it's just, uh, as I say, there were just so many things that if it had gone different, we would be we would have a completely different attitude to this, this team. Yeah. I think that, that says a lot about... Yeah, kind of how fickle football is, but um, as you say, as you said, describing a goal, the margins for that were so thin, and that's the case with football at this level, right? There's just uh, these wee moments can just be so decisive, and when you have so many of them piling up like that, um, yeah, eventually it kind of comes back to haunt you. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's still, yeah. it wasn't like it wasn't like the. Yeah, Spain played with a lot more class, but the 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 difference in quality wasn't was was not huge, and that's played out by the fact that Netherlands came into it looking really strong and really took it to them and really made it so difficult for them. Yeah, I mean, FIFA. I think before the Euros or some at some point last year, maybe during lockdown, they did that like video where they it was like what if basically like alternative moments in history, and one of them was. They like edited it so that Robin finished, buried the ball in the back of the net that chance against Casillas, and then it showed Van Bronckhorst lifting the World Cup, and that's the thing. That was we were so close to getting that, you know. It was, uh, which I think, yeah, a lot of people maybe forget sometimes. And it was a team that ultimately gave us some great moments, you know. Uh, that game against Brazil is probably for me. Um, second favourite maybe after that 5-1 against Spain in 2014 um, that Van Bronckhorst goal incredible obviously um, so yeah it was a team that I've got fond memories of and I feel like more people should have fond memories of too um, maybe they will in, in as time goes by I think um, yeah maybe but um, yeah so that is the story of the 2010 World Cup made it through that was uh, there's an experience talking about that final again. First time I've really done that, I think. And uh, yeah, well, feel, sadly. Uh, feel a weight has been lifted. You've uh, unburdened this uh, trauma that's been following you for, for 12 years. I do. I feel feel lighter, you know, like I've just got yeah. this evil demon outside of me. Yeah, even um, it's been an exorcism. Yeah. 
yeah yeah exactly exactly now i'm ready to you know i've moved on ready to just enjoy this world cup without getting ptsd before every match so <laughs> that'd be nice until they lose a final in qatar yeah and then they'll have a a whole new 12 years of this experience again which uh yeah that'd be fun but i mean such is the life of being a netherlands fan we kind of will have some sort of pain to talk about in every world cup we cover because we've never won one so uh but this is definitely the most painful you know we've got the most painful one out of the way i feel like you know i don't think it can get any any worse than this so yeah the uh the only way is up from here so uh well thanks for coming on and reliving all that pain with me today peter thank you very much again it was uh, what indeed was a therapeutic uh one i feel like i've exercised my demons and now i'm uh I can finally uh, get over my alcoholism and drug abuse now that, uh, <laughs> that I've been suffering with for the last 12 years. I'm just Maybe joking, from... I'll never go over the alcoholism and drug abuse. <laughs> Maybe now I'll stop starting fights with Spaniards in public. Can only <laughs> hope. But, uh, yeah, um, we hope to everyone listening that it's had the same effect on you. Uh, thanks very much for listening. And, uh, yeah, in the build-up to the World Cup, we'll hopefully be doing a few more. Um, few more episodes reliving past tournaments so yeah in the meantime you can of course find find us at clock at clockwork around you on twitter um if you enjoy this podcast then please do leave a review on wherever you may listen to it and um yeah be sure to keep an eye out for the next one so um yeah thanks again and see you soon bye